Hello and welcome to the Chair's Corner from the Department of Medicine at the University of North Carolina. This is our series where we are exploring topics related to autoimmune diseases to help patients and their loved ones understand and manage their condition. Today's episode is different from that which we've done before. For today, we have a person, Kristen, who has an unnamed autoimmune disease. The reason why we wanted to have Kristen here today was that so many patients have a constellation of what they feel and what physical findings they may have that don't permit a clear diagnosis. So we've had discussions about lupus, about autoimmune hepatitis, about uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Those are clear-cut and well-described diseases, but there are, are so many people who have autoimmune conditions without a label. And that's what we want to talk about today. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about you and what you were able to do prior to your illness. I am 35 years old. I'm married and have three children, and I live in Durham, North Carolina. Before I got sick, I led a very healthy, very active lifestyle. I was running half marathons and doing a lot of long distance running. And actually, I was competing in races, local races, and doing very well for myself. At the same time, uh, you were a mom and an athlete, you're also employed. Right. And having a full-time uh, busy job. Yes. So before this illness occurred, you were a um, incredibly productive 35-year-old mom. Yes, and I had zero history of any kind of health problem. So when you became ill, and we'll talk about what that feels like in a moment, the illness came out of the blue. You would have had typically um, the usual cold or other kind of community-acquired illnesses of otherwise healthy individuals. So what we're about to describe was really a different constellation of, of things that were bothering you. Right. And what were those? How did it start? I think I noticed things starting when I couldn't run like I normally could, that it felt painful to run, which was a really new feeling for me. Your joints were bothering you? No. I was getting out of breath, and it just felt really hard to do. And so I basically slowly stopped running. You couldn't catch your breath? It was more than just in my lungs. My body was tired, and I was having pains. I started having more pains even when I wasn't running. So I developed pains in my chest. And so you went to see a physician, and that physician said to you what? 
Between when I made the appointment and when I was seen, my chest pains became a lot worse. She ran some tests. So you went to see your physician, and over the course of time, it became clear that some of this pain might have actually been due to inflammation of the lining around your heart. Right. But that was not actually diagnosed right away. People were not clear, actually, whether you uh, had inflammation around the lining of your heart or not. In a very short amount of time, I became very sick. So I was having chest pains that escalated to extreme pains and found myself in the emergency room. Right. Because I did not know what was going on, and the doctor didn't know what was going on. And you even saw a heart doctor who also didn't know what was going exactly. on. Exactly. So when I went, when I visited the emergency room, I think that the doctors saw me as a very healthy-looking person, without the obvious risk factors that I wasn't overweight. I didn't have anything wrong with any of my blood work that they could see right away. So I think that I was seen as somebody who was maybe anxious. A mom who is uh, coming with unclear chest pain but doesn't have an obvious diagnosis. So in, in your mind, did you start doubting whether there was anything wrong with you? Definitely. I I didn't know if I was making this up in my own head or if it was a real thing that I needed to take seriously. And when you would look down at your hands and your hands would turn white, right. if not blue, how did you, which, which really is associated with something called Raynaud's syndrome, mm-hmm. what did you think about that obvious a difference in in your hands. When I started having the Raynaud's, I thought that I was just cold. So I think a lot of these things, I I just made up an explanation for what was happening. Instead of thinking I have a disease, I definitely didn't think that it would be a long-term condition that I would have to deal with. I thought, I'm cold or I'm stressed out. Or I'm just really anxious about this. I didn't, I didn't really know. And I think the fact that the doctors couldn't tell what was wrong right away um, made me doubt my own observations of myself, for sure. If one had found a, on a blood test, for example, that you had a disease like lupus, in other words, that the blood tests showed that you had lupus, then all of a sudden... One would have been able to say, ah, this lady has uh, pericarditis and she has Raynaud's and this must be part and parcel of of something that we now call lupus. But without those positive blood tests and without the certainty that there was pericardial inflammation, it was physicians had a hard time coming to say to you, wait a minute, your inability to run, your cold hands, your chest pain, and you're just generally feeling poorly mm-hmm. doesn't have a diagnosis. Right. I was also, I was feeling some pretty terrible joint pains in my ankles. 
I think that as I noticed more and more of these things happening and was able to report that to the doctor, then they were able to run more tests. And the ANA test turned out to be a positive ANA. The ANA seemed to be a clue, but it was made clear to me that it wasn't something that could be used for a diagnosis. Because so many healthy individuals right. have a positive anti-nuclear antibody. And so it's not a diagnostic test. And you also were mm-hmm. very tired. Is that right? So many patients with autoimmune disease really have what I describe as animal fatigue. When one's tired, uh, it's not just, oh, I'm tired, but I can press through this. This is fatigue that puts you into bed. Mm-hmm. When this started happening, it felt like I had the flu. That's the kind of fatigue that I was feeling. Once the chest pains, once the pericarditis resolved after a few months, I think I noticed the fatigue much more. I was definitely experiencing fatigue in the early months of it. But in the last year, I've had fatigue that comes on suddenly and just knocks me off my feet and basically can't do anything for maybe a day or a weekend and can't cook and can't sometimes can't go to some of the school functions. I'm not able to just do the ordinary things that I like to do. So what you're describing, which is typical of an autoimmune disease, is a process that's coming and going and coming and going Mm -hmm. to a certain extent relapsing and remitting. Right. Yeah, I think when all of this started a year ago, there were a lot of symptoms that I experienced all at once. And then I kind of started feeling better by the end of three or four months. And then... There was a period of time where it was unclear if that was just a one-time thing or if it was going to come back. And so I think that my doctor and I were just waiting to see what would happen next. So eventually, let's talk about the relationship with your physician, because eventually you found a physician that was able to listen and able to figure out with you what was wrong. That process didn't happen immediately. It took you a while to figure out who was most uh, aligned with you. Right. Yeah, so I actually didn't have a regular doctor. You were too healthy. Yeah. And trying to find somebody in a short amount of time who I could trust was really challenging And I didn't necessarily know what I needed, right? I was so fortunate to find my doctor who listened to me and was able to thoughtfully go through this process in a way that was supportive. She didn't jump to conclusions, but she didn't rule out autoimmune disease or maybe viruses. So I felt like she went through the process in a way that I could trust. That was not the first physician you ran into. You took no. you a while to find somebody yeah. who you developed a relationship with, and that really is essential 
uh, in the care of, of patients with an, an autoimmune process that's mm-hmm. not clearly labeled. Mm-hmm. You went to a general internist, finally, who you just described, who was able to have that relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that many times patients, it takes a while for patients to actually figure out who to go to to find that kind of, of relationship where they don't feel dismissed. Right. How do you deal with the fact that this process, this disease, comes and goes, and, and it's not predictable? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you deal with that in by internally, yourself? How do you have your family understand when these things are happening? And, and what do you tell your friends? When this started happening, it was really hard because when I started getting better, then my family would think, oh, you're, you're so glad you're feeling better now. Back to normal mom. And, right. hey, mom, can you do the laundry? Right. Right. And I knew that I, I, knew that I couldn't count on me being back to normal. Over time, my husband and my family could see that I've had flare-ups of, of symptoms. So sometimes I have a rough week. And sometimes I have a really good week. Um, Or it could just be a bad day. How do you actually separate out a bad day that's a bad day at the office because you're working? How do you decide, hey, that was just a bad day because it was a a bad day and a normal bad day in contrast to this is a bad day because I felt terrible walking in? For me, I can tell when I wake up how tired I'm going to be then I can tell that it's, I need to take it easy. So what you've learned is how to listen to your body. But yeah. that took a while Definitely. to get to that spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the take-home lessons is really to not doubt yourself and to feel comfortable in being able to say to yourself, I'm not able to produce today. And those around me who love me have to take care of me. My husband is actually really helpful um, with that. He he notices when I'm trying to do too much and points out when it's more than I can handle realistically. And it is hard to try to explain that to people who don't understand what's going on and to feel like, what I'm going through is valid, or what I'm going through is real. Some of my friends who may not really get what's happening. Not being able to say, I have this condition, this specific condition, is hard. It's hard if if you say, I have lupus or I have rheumatoid arthritis, then one can Google rheumatoid mm-hmm. arthritis and say, okay, within some degree of understanding, I understand mm-hmm. what rheumatoid arthritis What happens if you Google the word autoimmune disease? What comes up? Well, if you Google autoimmune disease, you actually could pull up a lot of information from wellness websites that are talking about certain diet that you ought to follow if you have an autoimmune disease process. That's, that's some of the top content that I've pulled up online. 
Did you try those diets? Not really. No. Well, in the back of my mind, maybe I think I should. But to go through something like that for a long time without knowing if it would really help me would be miserable for me. Because they're advertised content. It's not that these diets have not been uh, proven effective. But if a patient figures out that there is something that they're eating that is making them not feel well, that's probably the best sign that the diet will help. So there are uh, antigen elimination diets in which there are foods that for a particular individual make that individual feel poorly. Uh, Believe it or not, my spouse doesn't like chocolate, and if she eats chocolate, it makes her feel terrible. Mm. So there are real individual foods that make people feel poorly. But to Mm -hmm. be put on a diet as the first thing that comes up under autoimmunity is not really what you were looking for. Right. You were looking for how do I deal with what's going on with me. Yeah. And truthfully, I've probably done a lot of searching online of information about autoimmune disease and and how to deal with it that really couldn't be answered by the internet or even maybe by a doctor. Things that I've just had to learn on my own. Such as? Give us some examples. Okay. It's only been a year that I've been dealing with this. And it's been helpful for me to realize that I shouldn't put so much thought into how am I going to be feeling tomorrow? Or what is my health going to be like in a month? What's my health going to be like a year from now? Trying to predict or trying to plan what what I'll be feeling like. It's a beautiful sunny day today. Mm-hmm. You better enjoy that day. Exactly. It really does cause one to enjoy the times when one feels well and make the most out of that interval of time. Definitely. Because you can't predict what tomorrow is going to bring. Right. Yeah. How do you deal with friends or sometimes even strangers who hear a little bit about you? You may They may ask you, how do you feel? And you say, I'm feeling tired or I'm not well today. And they launch off into a series of home remedies of one kind or the other or offer other kinds of suggestions? I think that some people are well-meaning and just want to help and they don't know how. And some people have an idea of what might be going on with me. Hearing suggestions about diet or lifestyle changes or that... um, it can be kind of hard to hard to hear. And so what I've learned is that it's for me not to do that myself to other people. And I may have been guilty of that in the past. Someone who's sick and then I may suggest, oh, maybe you should take zinc or maybe you should just different suggestions that I, I may just try and help. But they're not necessarily helpful to you. Um. People want to help, but they don't know how to do it. And sometimes just being there is is the best remedy. Yes, and I think that the people who are closest to me are the ones that have really been able to understand 
and and be there for me and just help me through this. And right now you're doing incredibly well mm-hmm. and, and are, are getting back to, to health. It's the concept of restoration of health that's the important one. You're trying to get back to where you were, and there are times when you, your health is restored and there are times when it's not. And just being there is through the, through the ups and downs is, is critical. Right. So what take-home messages do you want to leave folks with? I would say to be patient and trust yourself. You may not have an answer when you want it. You may want to know what's going on that day or that week, and you may not have an answer for a really long time about what's going on. So just being patient in that process and finding a physician you can trust who is willing to listen to you and and take you seriously and being um, and surrounding yourself with people in your life who care about you and show you love the last thing I would say is finding meaningful work or doing something meaningful in your day that has nothing to do with yourself, that has nothing to do with your disease, some way that you can help someone else that day can be really helpful. Wonderful uh, messages for, for all of us. Kristen, thanks so much for being so open and spending time here today. Thank you.